Welcome to another episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton. I'm your host, Jeremy Greer. This week's guest is Brian. Brian, I've met through the Duck Feed TV network. Um, he is uh, a kind of semi-retired co-host of the Mega 10 Marathon podcast. Um, for various reasons, at the end, I thought I was going to be releasing all of those on the same day. So I mentioned it in the episode, but I didn't. Uh, for various reasons that we don't really need to go into here. Anyway, Brian and I have an extremely long conversation that kind of drifts all over the place, but I know for a fact you're going to enjoy it, so I'm going to let you get into it now. You know, it's really weird to think that like Bonfire Chat is basically over, and that that's just like one slot that just freed up on my podcast queue. Yeah. Because Bonfire Side Chat was always uh, like my go-to podcast. Like that's when, yeah. they, when they started that. Like I remember um, them talking about it on the Something Awful Podcast forum. Uh, like I was just immediately like all into it and and bugging Gary and Cole on the in that thread of like <laughs> you know hey actually you know Dark Souls da 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 until at some point Gary was just like do you just want to come on the show <laughs> I was like okay sure yeah. <laughs> and I was super nervous about it but yeah like that's it's that feels like such a um, monumental thing in the souls community right like it feels like mm. bonfire side chat ending is kind of like there's probably not going to be another dark souls game and so we don't need this dark souls podcast anymore and if there is we have a different venue to cover it but i feel like uh even most of like the big dark souls you know the the quote-unquote celebrities on, on the internet like your 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 body's video or your richard pill beams like they've all dramatically slowed down their output on dark souls and i think kind of everybody's tired of it right like i'm kind of tired yeah. of it to be honest so are we are i just want to know are we starting because i have plenty of thoughts about this oh yeah absolutely yeah go ahead <laughs> i like to i like to trick people into having a conversation with me on the internet so. oh sure uh, no it's it definitely feels like the fatigue has kind of set in and i mean i think it's a lot of things i think it's definitely partly that if you've been with the series since dark souls one or demon souls what we thought the series is isn't necessarily what the series turned out to be. So at this point, those thoughts have basically settled in everybody's head. And now we have a clearer picture of what the franchise was as a whole. So yeah, I do think that it's for that, that for a lot of people, that means just time to move on. Mm-hmm. What about you? Are you pretty much done with the series? Like if from announced Dark Souls four, Tomorrow. If from announced Dark Souls 4 tomorrow, I'm getting it midnight and playing it as soon as possible. But <laughs> the the itch, I mean, it's seriously, it's, it's still one of like, it's a very important franchise for me. It's a very, um, I mean, I don't just, I don't get into franchises. I like Resident Evil games. I'm not going to buy the Resident Evil when it comes out the mm-hmm. first day. I'm not going to buy the new Metal Gear Solid when it comes out the first day. But like, I mean, Dark Souls just is a you know how when the thing just sort of corrupts your gamer DNA? Well, I mean, of course you do. Everyone does. That's what Dark Souls does. <laughs> yep. Um, but it, it's just, it changed so fundamentally the way I think about games and the way I want to play games that it, it has me on the hook for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's, um, and it, it spoils other games for you. Like, it, it's definitely mm. done that for me where I've picked up games and started to play them and then thought to myself, why am I not? playing dark Souls right now. <laughs> i could just be doing that other thing that is so much more fun than whatever this is um i've talked about it a lot on the podcast but uh skyrim is the big victim of that for me like i just 
Um, I've never been a big Elder Scroll fan to begin with. So, right, uh, right. but like picking up Skyrim and realizing like what that combat was, I was just like, no, no, <laughs> this isn't, it, there could be like, I could literally go explore any mountain in the world. And like, I was fine. Like that sounds fun, but that's not what I want to do. Like I want to, I want to go fight people in this level. So I have a lots of complicated feelings about Skyrim. I'm mostly, <laughs> they're mostly negative. I don't think Skyrim or Elder Scrolls are very good games. And I thought that even before, Nope, my girlfriend's coming to attack me. Go away. What? Go away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me? <laughs> but I think Skyrim and Dark Souls get compared a lot to each other because they both came out in uh, 2011. So I remember a lot of Year Endless that year was like, oh, God, the other the other one was Skyward Sword, I think. I think that was also 2011. Was it really? So the big wow. three, yeah, the big three fantasy games, basically everyone was... Uh, well, most you can tell a lot by a publication. You can tell a lot by a gamer about where they stood on the Skyrim versus Dark Souls debate. And so most year endless, if Skyrim was near the top, Dark Souls was around like number 14, 15. But if Dark Souls was near the top, Skyrim usually got like an honorable mention just for being impressive. Mm-hmm. But yeah... Have you ever lost a friendship because you asked somebody Dark Souls or Skyrim and they said Skyrim? <laughs> I haven't actually. I don't, you know, um, that, that's a weird thing where I don't actually think that for myself personally, like I just don't care about games enough to like have those type of conversations with people anymore. Like, oh yeah, no, it, it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing where like when I was younger and not to be like granddad on the podcast or anything, but like when I was younger, I would get like up in arms about that stuff. Like I had a, apparently a lot of feelings about it, whether or not I was willing to admit that or not. But uh, now it's like, I hear people like have bad opinions about a video game and I'm like, that's a very bad opinion. And I just move on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get, it just depends if I'm in the mood to see where the, this train of thought goes. I don't, I don't call it arguing it. Cause I, or at least I try not to argue. I'm more just interested to see why somebody thinks the way they do. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't, most times you can't convince somebody to see things your way. Like if someone's super into Skyrim, played five minutes of Dark Souls and said, this controls like a piece of shit, you're probably not going to convince them otherwise. Probably not. I mean, there's going to be those edge cases because who didn't think Dark Souls controlled like a piece of shit right at the beginning, but um I mean, some people just come for games for different things. And it's like, if you're not there for like mechanical engagement, like Skyrim is actually like a really cool game because uh, the it's got a very low barrier to entry and it offers you a lot of content for relatively little effort. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the perfect game for some people. So did you have a lot of trouble with the controls of Dark Souls when you first started playing it? Um, Yes. Hundred um, percent. So, uh, I guess we might as well get into the where did I pick up the series story? Sure. Uh, Dark Souls uh, two thousand eleven must have been because I had it. Uh, my my roommate bought it, and at the time I was basically I, I call it a punk house, but it wasn't really a punk house. It was a su- a house in the suburb that me and uh, four other college Kate college age kids uh, were renting out. Um, I say college age because I was the only one actually going to university. They were all pretty much working like shitty service jobs to afford rent. Um, so I would, I would basically go to school, get home, and play video games just all day. And I never did homework because I was an awful piece of shit. 
Um, and uh, did you ever have that moment? I'm not sure. Did you? Were you just constantly in the games your whole life? Um, sort of. Like I was really big into games as a kid, and all the way through high school. And then uh, after I moved out, got my own place, uh, and then very specifically left my hometown. Right, like I, I was doing that 18 year old. I'm gonna go. Mm. down to new orleans and sit down in a cafe and write bad poetry and watch and like people watch and be real movies <laughs> and stuff like that and like video games is, doesn't really fit that didn't at the time for me fit that lifestyle. Yeah. um so from about 18 to about 22 like my video game playing was pretty much uh maybe even 24 it was pretty much just soul caliber because me and my friends were really into soul caliber and well, uh, sure uh my girlfriend now wife bought me diablo 2 and then she became addicted to Diablo 2 and bought a computer, so we played Diablo 2 com- together. <laughs> and then, like, after I got married and we had, uh, like, lived together for a while, like, I bought a GameCube and bought a PS2 and started getting back into it. And it's kind of been a part of my life since then. Cool, yeah. I mean, it's basically, there's that similar trajectory, I think. Where I wasn't, so high school, it wasn't games for me. Uh, so I was, you know, I had games. I had a, my exact progression was Atari 2600, Genesis. I'm not that old. My dad just had an Atari 2600 yeah. for years and until like about 1994. So yeah, Atari, Sega Genesis, PlayStation 1, PS2, GameCube. And then that's about it um, for a while. I uh, So yeah, I had them when I was younger. Uh, played them until about 2003. Then I got super into music and comic books, and that's all I cared about. Okay. Uh, there was a certain point where I realized I liked stories a lot, and if you want a good story, you don't want video games. <laughs> Nine <laughs> times out of ten. Video games are not particularly great at stories, especially when you compare and contrast them to other mediums. Like, yeah, because that's not you know it's not what they're there for. They're there yeah. to you know offer engagement rather than you know let me just let me tinkle your mind a little. I mean, you can't obviously use the medium to that end. Like, obviously, we're not saying that, but mm-hmm. um, you know, just average games to average movies. I'm pretty sure average movies are going to be better than average games in terms of story only. Sure. <laughs> okay. So I was living in uh, the, you know, my punk house. I hadn't really touched games. Like I, I dabbled. There was never a point where I would like turn my nose up at a video game, but I just didn't really, it was just like, Oh, Hey, you got super Mario world set up. I'll play two levels. And then, you know, not think about it for a couple of months. So I was living in the punk house and my roommates had a 360 and I was like, I have no idea what modern games are like. I had like owned a PS3 in uh, high school when I worked at GameStop, but I still didn't really get that into games. Mm -hmm. And then I just started playing through everything, Uh, like mostly like the big AAA stuff because I hadn't realized that, oh, most big AAA stuff sucks yet. So I played like four Assassin's Creed games in a row. <laughs> and, and the Batman games. The Batman games are good, though. They're better than Assassin's Creed. Um, but, you know, stuff like that. Uh, then my roommate, uh, who was the big gamer in the house... Oh, I played the Halo games during that stretch of time, too. Gears of War, that was another one. Okay. Uh, Gears of War sucks. <laughs> I don't want to ever touch that game again in my life. I, uh, Have you seen? I, I did that thing where I bought a, a 360, and uh, yeah, and it came with the Gears of War collection. 
Well, I, it, I wanted to buy it because of Bioshock. Um, and mm-hmm. then, so I bought it, got Bioshock, and then like downloaded the zillion demos that were available for stuff, and then got a Gamefly subscription. And of course, everybody talked about like Gears of War, and I played it for like, I don't know, like 10 or 15 minutes. Like I played the first level, and I was like, why does anybody get into this? Like I just don't understand it. And I, and I'm sure, like at the time, it was like maybe a really great shooter. People were really into the multiplayer, but like I just had no. I was like, man, this the art style sucks. Like it looks like naked Blizzard guys running around with dumb guns. I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to throw around the term toxic masculinity lightly. But yeah, but man, <laughs> like, and I wasn't even. Uh, like I, I wasn't even particularly progressive back then. Like I was a good. I think I was like an okay dude, but like I probably made some shitty jokes, right? Yeah, and, but um, like you, it's like dripping in that machismo. Exactly. Like, just, like it was just so off-putting. It. Like it was such a it was such a bro thing that I could not get into it at, at all. Like it felt like all of the jocks <laughs> in my high school got together and made a video game. It was like, yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, like I'm surprised 100%. you couldn't shoot a deer in it at some point because yeah. like <laughs> so. It was it was nuts to me. That was the first time I really felt like, am I even playing the same game as other people? Yeah. Because um, like reading, pe- there's a. I played the, the entire trilogy of Gears of War, and uh, there's an overarching story you might not have known. Um, but in the third game, uh, basically a major character dies. Spoilers for Gears of War: your best friend uh, dies in an explosion of a, of an oil tanker factory or something like that okay and it is like (laughs) the game slows down sad music comes (laughs) in and they they milk the emotion they're just like look at your best friend look at the sacrifice he made and (laughs) when i was reading internet comments about how emotional that scene got to people it just (sighs) how how am i even human man yeah, like I, you know, especially those weird moments where they try to force you into that stuff. That's one thing to, to bring it back to Dark Souls that was really shocking to me about Dark Souls is that it never grabs the camera from you and shows you something. Like it, it incorporates you and your player character into cutscenes mm-hmm. when it, when it does so. So even when it does grab that camera, um, it it it's for a reason, and you were still there as your. Uh, it's, it's like your character like you're always dressed up no matter how ridiculous it looks like it, you're yeah. in your own armor <laughs> or whatever in those cutscenes and just the fact that they don't care like there's there's maybe what like eight minutes of cutscenes in Dark Souls 1 like maybe maybe ten I haven't, I haven't strung yeah. them together I mean yeah, tens, tens, the tens are reaching man but I think you're right <laughs> it's just such it was such a breath of fresh air after playing because I did the same thing like I, when I got into that generation of consoles it was you know, I was again having that GameFly subscription and just sending games back and forth and playing whatever came out that week and the Bioshocks, the Assassin Creeds, and like the the overwhelming, in your face, over orchestrated everything, and then have this like super quiet game that you just kind of walk through and you know, mm. finding the Moonlight Butterfly for the first time, and then realizing I had to kill it, like, and not even not even thinking I don't have to kill it, I could just walk away, but just because that's my name, my natural like thing to do as a gamer is to you know, oh, it's a boss, I have to go kill it. But be, like, it, I remember seeing that and going like, wow, this is a beautiful thing. What? And just having that like be in a video game was shocking to me. Sorry, I'm looking at the exact date that Dark Souls 1 came out. Okay, I now have the timeline for this pretty firmly in my head. So okay. here's what happened. My buddy, uh, I was going through a JRPG thing because like, there was, okay, the biggest crushing part of my childhood was I loved Final Fantasy games. I could not beat 
or get very far in Final Fantasy games. I'm not sure if my reading comprehension was bad or if I just didn't... Was I running from every battle? I don't know. Final Fantasy games are super easy. But uh, I uh, I started just playing through all the ones I owned when I was a kid. So I beat 7, I beat 9, I beat uh, 10, I beat 6. And I just was enjoying the crap out of them. Uh, but I was also realizing it, any almost any JRPG kind of just becomes a confirm button fest at the end. Just hit that confirm button over and over again until you're yeah. done with that game. And I wanted something that wasn't just that. And my friend gave me a game, gave me Persona 4. Um, we'll tie back into that later on. But basically, <laughs> it radically altered my opinion of how uh, you should approach games with thought and uh, with care. And if you make a mistake, that's on you. And I wanted something that recaptured that magic. So it must have been about, because I played that game in uh, June or July. And so, like, and Dark Souls didn't come out in America until October of that year. So I must have had Dark Souls around. Uh, December, and so here's the, here's exactly what I remember happening. My roommate, uh, his, his name's Steven, still a good friend of mine. Uh, he was playing Demon Souls on the PS3, and I had heard tale of Demon Souls before. Um, it, uh, I remember Yahtzee reviewed it back in the day, back in the days when I could give a shit about Yahtzee's game reviews. Mm-hmm. He uh, he made it sound very unfair, and it. Uh, that was kind of my impression of it. It's like, oh, that's that unfair game, which how many people like go in with that assumption, you know? Uh, so uh, he was playing Demon Souls, and it looked like the animations looked terrible. It was so stiff, and he looked like he was having trouble even, you know, making the sword attack at the time he wanted to. It just didn't seem like a good use of time at the moment. And so I sort of made fun of him for it, and he was like, you know, I think it's pretty dismissive of you to say all those things about Demon's Souls without even touching it. And it's like, now, in hindsight, I can say that's very fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it it's a game that you can look at and possibly could totally dismiss offhand. Yeah. So at the time, I didn't even realize that was Demon's Souls. I thought it was just Dark Souls. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, he sent Demon's Souls back. Uh, I'm not sure if he, like, borrowed it from a friend or what but he eventually got a disc of dark souls and he started playing that and when he, when he was playing dark souls i was like you know now that i'm reevaluating this game it looks a lot better not knowing it's a completely different game <laughs> uh, <laughs> but i'm like i'm still like i don't know man it still looks like it just is kind of fucking you over left and right for no good reason and he's like okay brian i, I get it i get that it, you're too scared of difficult games uh-oh the challenge is and that broke me yeah, that broke me, man. If he was going to say that, then he was like, okay, then. Guess we're doing this. Rolled up my character in Dark Souls that night. So <laughs> this originally was to answer the question, did I struggle with the controls of Dark Souls? Mm-hmm. So uh, the important thing about Dark Souls, or one of the important things, is either you got to know how to dodge or how to use your shield, neither of which I fully understood when I picked up the game. The- Two very important techniques that you need to learn. <laughs> and I th- think the shield method is, uh, I mean, I'm a, I dodge and shield, but I'm not good enough at dodging to, even today, to just rely on my dodging abilities. I can't parry for anything. Uh, so Bloodborne is a hellish nightmare. Uh, and, um, but in, uh, so Dark Souls 1, I went, the all, I got all the way, Jeremy, to the gargoyles 
before realizing that the shield was not just like a useless mechanic, which all other games had taught me shields are pointless. Sure, yeah, because most games you're basically invulnerable, except for, you know, you can just, especially AAA games in 2011, right? Like, all of them yeah. had regenerating health almost. Like, you could barely die. Like, you could not do anything. Famously, Call of Duty, just not do anything, and the story progresses without you. <laughs> I've beaten I've beaten every legend of zelda i had at that point beaten every legend of zelda game and never used a shield so i don't know it just seemed logical to me like why even pay attention to a shield just ignore it but anyway so yeah i i I don't even remember who it was i think it was my friend uh i think it was my roommate again he just walked in on me playing uh and he was like why aren't you using your shield and i was like shields are useless and he's like you should probably use your shield and the next try i was like i didn't even get hit once and i was like oh yeah that kind of changes how this game works entirely huh mm-hmm. and that's it's, how that's how i opened the rabbit hole man it's it's weird because that's something that like another game would over tutorialize for you like in, mm. in in your average like game as soon as you picked up a shield like you'd have to press x to go through three pages of how to use your shield and and dark souls just does not do that and I, I think most hardcore, quote-unquote, hardcore Dark Souls fans think that that's a benefit. Um, and it does have stuff in there that teaches you that. Like, you can read those messages. And I've seen people, yeah. uh, notably K-Plays, like, take her time through that game and and go through every single menu option and, like, figure it out how it all works and learn everything there is to know about it. But for most players, you just pick up the shield and you're like, I don't know how the fuck to use this. <laughs> like, what do I do? <laughs> I think the primary solution would be to have a completely optional... Uh, heavily instructed tutorial mm-hmm. because even like every single game kind of lost me with some mechanics like Dark Souls 3 um, I still don't quite understand how armor works in that game but people tell me it's totally masterable I guess I don't uh, I have I'm at this point now with Dark Souls 3 where I just don't care enough to learn about the mechanics to get to get into the ins and outs like I'll just dress up nice and then go from there <laughs> yeah sidebar fuck Dark Souls 3 <laughs> it's not that bad it's a good game it's just I you know, if anyone listens to Bonfire Side Chat, I'm I'm very much a Gary when it comes to <laughs> Dark Souls Three. It's just nah, I like it, I do, but just man, I I do not think that is a well balanced game. And like, obviously, like balance isn't a huge thing, but like, I, it just doesn't feel fair in a way that other Dark Souls games have felt fair. And I even think sometimes that people oversell how fair dark souls one is you know what i mean absolutely yeah because when you if you talk to a new player and you're guiding them through there are so many like absolutely ridiculous things like i'm doing bloodborne right now and the mechanics of even getting summoning working are kind of ridiculous it's like i talk about this uh i've talked about this a lot where dark souls one specifically like crushing uh barrels in the corner and laying my sign down because I don't want to get summoned by somebody else or you know, <laughs> what, working out levels of literally by, cause I know, um, illusory wall did this for dark souls three of just literally like recruiting people from Twitter and being like, okay, you're level 62, put your sign down. Okay. I can see it. And trying to, like, you know, backward reverse engineer the leveling algorithm to figure <laughs> out if it's the same, like, at a certain point, dog, just give us the information. Like, put it in the fucking manual. <laughs> and it's and it, it works contrary to um, me complaining about not enough weird online mechanics. But you can do stuff 
but like basic multiplayer stuff, I think should be kind of outlined. <laughs> I'm kind of with you. Yeah, no, if, if you're going to have it be that weird, I think it should be very clearly spelled out. And I mean, I know the info's there. It's in the game, but it's not presented in a very straightforward manner where there's just a menu called like explain how co-op works or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's all like in these separate description boxes. And then still it's kind of ethereal and strange and doesn't fully explain itself. But yeah, the levels thing is fucking asinine. We're in, um, yeah, still doing Bloodborne. So I got Bloodborne on my mind a lot in terms of how it plays with these mechanics. And uh, I'm, we're, I, we still don't really, I, I didn't even look it up. I assume it's like 10 levels either way. And I know the password like in widens the pool of who can be summoned if you have the same password, but. Not just why, but just removes it altogether. Oh, just removes it, so we don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, yeah. If you've got a password, because uh, I've been summoned by like level ten players at level one hundred and twenty before. Like it just completely. Oh, that is that is good to know because we've been doing like party management where no one's getting too <laughs> far away from each other. Yeah, password. I mean, I would probably suggest doing that in general because uh, you can remove a lot of the fun out of a Souls game by having like a, a big badass come in and just shred stuff for you. Uh, but <laughs> um, it. Like if I'm level one twenty and a level ten summons me, it uh you'll see like a little wing icon around my name and it like reduces me down. Similar to the way um like Diablo three will do that sometimes. Like it'll yeah. reduce a player's effectiveness now, basically nerfs them to the current level. So Yeah. Uh so we were mostly doing uh me and my my former roommate Steven and my other former roommate Justin. Mm-hmm. Uh we're doing uh I'm not sure if we're going to do all the games. We're at least doing Bloodborne right now. My buddy Steven, he's a family man. He's got kids. Uh, can't really spend the time doing Dark Souls like you should do Dark Souls, you know? But he deserves to see the cool stuff that's in that game. Yeah, absolutely. So this is an act of charity, damn it. <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a thing that From does. and uh, I want to say it was cold just recently, and... I, it may have been Gary and Cole. I don't. I forget. But uh, they were talking about this, like the courage to basically just let players miss out on parts of your games, and how oh, yeah. odd that is in the gaming industry. Because you know, if if you get a team of guys working together forty hours a week for six months, and they release a thing to the world, and people are buying it, you kind of want them to see all of the thing, and to hide content from the player in weird specific ways is like again courage is a is a real weird world when, real weird word when it comes to video games like making video games yeah. in the <laughs> <Right>. office <laughs> yeah. yeah we're not diving down into like the desert to save the president's daughter or anything like we're not bad enough dudes to do that but <laughs> it still feels like you know like that's there's a certain amount of bravery that goes into that a certain amount of trust in uh, in your player base that I, that I like a whole lot how, how much did mm-hmm. you get of the story from dark souls 1 when you when you first started playing it like did you have any zero uh, yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> None of it. Like I knew that <laughs> I knew there was a flame, um, and I knew that I had to go to that flame and do something. I could. I think I knew I had. I could reignite it. Not that I had to, but I could. Yeah. Oh, and there were two bells. But once you ring the two bells, and there's gods and yeah, it's just um, it's kind of a, a blurry mess of what you know I, I picked up. Uh, but it definitely was one of those things that, like, when I heard people say Dark Souls 1 as, like, a really good story, I was like, I don't know what you mean. And then they would link me huge essays, and I would read them and be like, I, I'm impressed that anybody got any of this out of this game. 
I'm actually not sure if I knew that item description. No, I must have because they were in the loading screen. Mm-hmm. So I no, I must have known something. I think I the 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 big uh, storyline that I did pick up on uh, was mostly involving. Um, oh, I'm running running through it all in my head right now to remember. Uh, Onion Bro or Solaire or. Oh, yeah, you run into those guys. I never have uh, successfully di- done an NPC quest in Dark Souls. <laughs> uh, so I think Solaire, I don't think I saw him again after the, the bonfire in the Demon Ruins. Okay. And I don't think... And Onion Bro, I never got him past... Where does he Where does he show up? You know, when you're in Anne Orlando and he's uh, next to that room and he's like, why to pick? And there's three dudes in there. Yeah. Could you kill those three dudes? Where does he show up after that? Firelink Shrine. Never noticed him there. So, so he, he I guess up, I never got um, past him in Anne Orlando. Well, you have to, you have to go kill those three dudes. Like, and this is how weird Dark Souls one is. Um, yeah. Like, you have to go kill the three dudes and then you go talk to him and he gives you, I think he gives you a ring. And then you have to go back to uh, Firelink Shrine, and he he sees you there, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna go down to the swamp." So then you have to give him some moss. Wait, do you have to do it before you beat or- Ormstein and Smo? Uh, I don't I don't think so, but I, like it's okay. it's been so long that you maybe, and that would probably explain why you missed it because if yeah, you know, I think yeah. most people warp as soon as they beat ONS, they warp directly back to Firelink Shrine because like I want to go home. Um, yeah. but uh you see him in Firelink Shrine and then he's like, Hey, I'm going to go down to the swamp. Do you have any spare like poison stuff? And then you find him in the swamp and you have to talk to him there. And like, it's just, it's just, why would you ever go back to blight town? <laughs> like, why would anybody go back down to blight? Town? <laughs> he's got good memories, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, but his, I will say in retrospect, though, I didn't really get to see it to the end. His, I think his storyline is kind of amazing. And it, cool courage that most people aren't going to see this kind of sucks most people don't even know his daughter is in the game and why would you to get to that point in the quest is a, a ton of work and requires a ton of foresight yeah exactly um now i can't remember which storyline it was i think it might have i think it was the, the the dark serpents that i noticed and i noticed specifically when they came up in the uh in the description boxes on the loading screens. I definitely remember reading those description boxes and thinking there's, man, there's a lot here that, uh, that is uh, not really relevant to the game, but interesting details. Yeah. That's the, that's always the takeaway with dark souls storylines to me is that like, none of it actually matters when you're playing the game, right? Mm -hmm. You can pick up some (laughs) clues that might help you. Like, I don't know how anybody figured out like the covenant of Artorias or whatever to, to get down there to the, to the thing. And I think the game specifically tells you stuff like it, it gives you some clue to do it. But at a certain yeah. point you're like, I need to equip this ring so I can walk around in this fog. What? Like, that make Was Dusk sense. in the game before the DLC? I think I remember her being there, but I yeah, don't she, recall. She totally now. was. Yeah. Okay. So I think, I mean, I think you're, you, the clue is just like points you to Dusk and then Dusk, was it that she didn't disappear before the DLC? Was it that she just used to stand there? Uh, exactly. Yeah. So she, okay. once, you, once you summoned her, once you defeated the Hydra, she, her sign would just be around, and it was always really weird because you could—that was the only summon sign you would see when you were hollow. Um, the entirety of Dark Souls One, I didn't. I was never human unless the game made me human, mm-hmm. uh, which I think you got for beating a boss, right? Y- you got. 
it's kind of weird because in the first versions of the game, they didn't really drop a lot of humanity, but you would get like in the, as they patched it, they gave you like two or three humanity, but you didn't demon souls. You would automatically go human when you finished a boss, but dark souls, they didn't do it. All right. What? It, uh, yeah. They just gave you an, I think they gave you a humanity. And then you sacrifice that humanity at a bonfire. That's what it was. Yep. Oh, dark souls. <laughs> it's, it's so weird, right? Yeah, no, I definitely, I agree with uh, whoever you're mis- misquoting about courage is interesting in games. Like, I now realize that the best thing a game can do for me is offer me a choice that basically says, no matter what you choose, you're missing out on the other. I love it. I love the pressure of having to make that choice. Uh, and Dark Souls expresses that in lots of ways, through the NPC quest, but also through how you build your character. It deliberately like it makes you pick a path and i love that i i don't know how you love that because that always just like reduces me down <laughs> to like an indecisive ball of anxiety <laughs> like i will like look like do i give the do i eat the fish that i just got in a near automata do i eat should i <laughs> is this an item that i'm going to need to get to the fish level later or should i just use it now to get the increase in stats or, or like whatever it was like i just I, i'm paralyzed by fear a lot of times i've tried to let that go right i'm trying to just to kind of relax and be like, I don't need to min-max every single video game I play. I can just relax and, and take it all in. But sometimes it's hard, man. It's nice that you can just you just do it because, man, that's hard for me. Well, the way I made peace with it was basically realizing, hey, even if I try my hardest, I'm not going to see everything in this game. It's just not going to happen. Um, I've never seen... I, I have probably, uh, you know, quote-unquote 100%ed a few games in my life, but I, I definitely don't see it all. Like there's just so much stuff. And like, I don't, I don't just sink myself into one game for a long time. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I, you're, you're more of a, like a one game at a time, kind of long term player. Aren't you? Uh, nowadays I'm a zero game at a time. Too much podcasting. Yeah. I just, I've, now I'm a two hunks at a time kind of, kind of guy, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Oh yeah. The real reason I came on this podcast is we got some beef to sell, man. You made me start watching supernatural. I'm what sorry. the fuck? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's starting to get good. I'm in the middle of season two and it's definitely picking up. Yeah, there's that's that's what I I think that's what I remember telling you too. Is like the first season is like them trying to find their feet and uh, doing a lot of weird, uh, yeah, kind of exploring of the American mythos of the urban legend mm-hmm. stuff, which I kind of miss mm-hmm. now. To be honest with you, like I, I kind of like <laughs> like I want them to go track down like the you know the hookman or you know whatever or the person mm-hmm. who like flashes their lights and then gets out of the car and kills you or something like all this weird stuff. Yeah, so they don't return to that after the story arcs over. I assume they did they they do they do but they they start getting pretty smart about it and incorporating that stuff into the overarching plot so like oh so like there's like oh there's a there's a chemical leak that's causing hookmans and the and the (laughs) chemical leak is tied to satan or whatever pretty much yeah like they'll chase a werewolf (laughs) and it'll turn out like the werewolf is actually a part of a pack of werewolves that were hired by demons to you know lure the winchesters into a what a blah 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 (laughs) and i literally just made that up that could be in like there's oh sure there's like 100 and there's two over 200 episodes now so there's that could probably um, i think i think what i'll do if I end up liking uh, the first five seasons uh, enough is that I don't think I can sign up for another seven seasons, but I might just like cherry pick the really cool 
gimmick episodes mm-hmm. past season five just to see them because i want to see that scooby-doo episode they're gonna make oh yeah that sounds well, stupid 100 percent. like me, <laughs> me and chris have already decided like as soon as that comes on like because we're not watching the current series we can't i've tried before like as we're covering the show for monster of the week like i've tried to go into the like current season and watch stuff and it just it's too much for my brain to handle i'm like oh my god yeah, everybody's so old and they look exactly the same how is this possible well, i crossed wires um but yeah we've both said like that and then uh the spinoff that they're going to do like the uh, wayward sisters which is a terrible name for a tv show but uh is a pretty, oh, it is. sounds like a pretty is there gonna be like a shitty like kansas ripoff song i hope so at man. The <laughs> where they like like awkwardly fit the word sister into his sons <laughs> i mean like the band kansas is a shitty kansas ripoff band now so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um but so hopefully I, I i can't wait to i don't know like we're gonna be covering a lot of that stuff so it should be fun oh, that's cool man um let's talk so, about Bloodborne uh, a little bit, cause since, since you're active yeah, playing it, um so i don't just keep talking about hunks like i do for three hours every week. <laughs> uh when, when did you play bloodborne for the for the first time uh I, every souls game since dark souls one i basically played at release Okay. Um, I've, I've, uh, I, I waited in line for Dark Souls 2, waited in line. I went at midnight and they gave me my copy of Dark Souls 2. There was another game that came out that night and I can't remember what it was, but the crowd was literally half Dark Souls 2 fans and half, oh, I think it was a FIFA game. It was something dumb like that. It was, it was definitely a Wait, 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 game. Maddie remembers. What? It was like a shooty game. It was a shooty game? Yeah. Okay. I, I want to like say it was, uh, it was like, uh, one of the... Call of Duty games came out because someone, someone yeah. else has told that story of like going to uh, like stand in line at GameStop to get their reserved copy at midnight. But yeah. like most of the people there were for Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, my crowd was half and half, which was you know pretty good. Like we were we were a suburb in San Antonio, so I don't know where what the demographics of like where Souls fans live versus where Call of Duty fans live. Apparently, the answer uh, is Call of Duty fans live everywhere, and Dark Souls fans. Apparently, a fucking lot of them live in Australia because <laughs> I, have, uh, I have interviewed way too many people from Australia from one podcast. <laughs> um, it's because they don't get many games down there. It's like yeah, one of three releases they got that year. Exactly. Um, yeah, I hear the Australian game scene is like really weird and arca- has archaic laws. So, but uh, so they're lucky to get whatever games they get. Is my understanding. Anyway. Uh, so Dark Souls 2, I bought it at release. Uh, Bloodborne, I uh, I literally bought a PS4 for it. Like, it was the reason to get a PS4. And it's not like it was the only reason, but it was the reason to, oh, now is the time. Yeah. So as soon as it was announced, I basically, I don't know, as soon as it was announced, I bought my PS4, like, uh, two months before Bloodborne came out. And then I, as soon as I had the money, I put it, I put a pre pre payment on the download card or whatever fuck technology is ridiculous um and just had it loaded up on my ps4 ready to go day one the first few days of bloodborne were really rough for me and it was the moment i realized that so many other people are better at games than me i think it took me three or four days of pure effort to get past uh cleric beast and Gascoin. Okay, and that's like six hour playing sessions, and it felt and it felt like by that point almost everybody was halfway through the game already. <laughs> was it um, was it like a play style issue? Like had you just come to rely on that that slow shields kind man of block and then move and then block and then move and yeah. So there's two th- things. There's two things. It's definitely one is like the rhythm of Dark Souls works better for me. It's like it's a very uh, 
Dark Souls feels more like a rhythm game to me than Bloodborne does. I mean, I know Bloodborne is still kind of a rhythm game, but it's the rhythm doesn't click to my brain for some reason. Um, and uh, Dark and uh, Bloodborne, I have a real hard time reading enemies in that game. Like it, it does definitely suffer from PS4 particle bloat, where it's just like, look at all the shit we can put on screen, and then I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah. And that's a that's a big problem when like boss fights like Amelia or like uh, like Bloodstar Beast, but it's whatever. Like I, I I soloed that game up until Rom, and then past Rom, I could never solo another boss. Really? Yeah. No, I'm very bad at that game. It feels like it takes because like the thing about Dark Souls bosses is I feel like if you are got your build going. And maybe this is just my playstyle, but I can take down almost any Dark Souls boss in about two minutes. Okay. If my if I'm properly built up, and in Bloodborne, I feel like even if I'm properly built up, it's a solid five to seven minutes of like making sure I make almost no mistakes. Yeah, there's a. It's been talked to talked about a lot, but the the HP bloat as the series has gone on is is something real and uh, yeah significant like. I've got, it's bad in Dark Souls Three. I think it's the worst in Bloodborne. It is. I think Bloodborne. I think. Well, I think the worst um, stuff that I think the worst is in Bloodborne, but it's mostly like optional bosses that are just so, so terrible. Like until you get start to get into DLC stuff, but like getting into the Chalice Dungeons, like defiled bosses that have way too much <laughs> HP, and you have half of yours, and your and also like not only that, but your blood potions, your blood vials also do half of their they're half effective now. So enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's real shitty. Uh, but I feel like Dark Souls Three does that across all of the bosses. So like every oh, yeah. every single yeah. boss you fight almost is like feels like an end boss. And they, they do that with the music too, which is something I can't stand. Um, someone yeah. recently on this podcast was like, I fought the. Um, I can't even remember the first guy, the champion dude. Um, and I felt like I was fighting the last boss because the music was like so <laughs> over the top and crazy. And Bloodborne is very, very, very bad with that as well. Um, so not to insult the entire Dark Souls fandom, but they announced that a uh, vinyl set of all the Dark Souls OSTs yeah, recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, are you going to get that? No, you, I'm, I'm not, dude. I didn't think so. I, so uh, here's the thing. I think that music is so atonal and unmemorable, like across all the games. Yeah, I there's there's specific tracks that I could pull out of Dark Souls. Oh, sure. one, two, and three. Um, it's like, like oh yeah, like the the Firelink Shrine music and the, sure. the Gwyn theme, and I like yeah, uh, there's stuff. Uh, Pinwheels music um, is I almost said Pinhook because my office is on Pinhook. That's not where I'm going. <laughs> um, Pinwheels music, you, is you know which one? Surprisingly good is and surprisingly weird. Yeah, you know it's a you know which one is surprisingly has stuck with me. The pursuer fight music. I'm actually not. It's the pursuer cutscene music from Dark Souls Two, because it's like it like it's a hit of the drum and then a bunch of like uh, like chorus vocals coming in. Mm-hmm. It sounds like I don't know. It's like it's got this call and response thing that works for me. Okay, but yeah. But <laughs> otherwise, but, I think Dark Dark Souls music's pretty boring. I'm with you. Like it's. And here's the thing, like the stuff that I like, I really, really, really like. There, like, there's stuff in Bloodborne that I think is amazing and good. And um, our friend Liam, former guest of the show, and you know, good, good person all around, uh, despite being an Australian, uh, he's he's like covered some stuff for me for like a project that I want to do. 
and pulled like he did a like a synth version of the cleric beast theme which is amazing like it's great and i wish like the game itself had stripped down those tracks like that right like it just feels like they're just so overdone and overproduced that i it just all becomes noise at a certain point oh yeah um so yeah bloodborne uh they uh i feel like mechanically i feel like the dodge should be a longer it should cover more area. I feel like you don't cover enough area with your dodge okay. for how big the monsters you're fighting are. Especially if like I'm supposed to go in attack and then it's like two dodge steps to get out of there. And like that's, you know, that's pretty much all my endurance right there. Yeah, I I, I can see that. I don't um it's 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 a weird thing because I always like ramp up my my endurance quite a bit on builds if I have the room to do so. So yeah, um, I'm such a my my mind is so trained to be a DPS kind of thing. So I always like pump my strength and skill as high as possible because I want to spend the least amount of time engaging uh, with a boss fight that, that I don't want to. I like the stress of not having to make a mistake for two minutes, but every additional minute you add onto that. <laughs> just makes it <laughs> makes it harder to justify the time spent getting there you know i have um two videos on my youtube channel one is me fighting defiled uh amy in the chalice dungeons and basically perfecting that fight for eight minutes not being <laughs> hit and just or if i'm hit like recovering at the last minute or, or whatever and uh dying at the end of it and then I have a second video where I had to go like a full 11 minutes to finish that fight. And it's like <laughs> razor thin margin of error. Like maybe you can survive like one hit if it's done a specific way and it doesn't hit you fully. Like it's that kind right. of like stress tense. And I did it. And at the time I was playing, you couldn't really reliably summon people for chalice dungeons. Now you can just summon people willy nilly. It's really easy. Um, and I, looking back, like, I spent hours doing it and I don't know why. Like, I'm just, I'm not a challenge run kind of dude. I just wanted to do it this once for whatever reason. Like I, I wasn't even podcasting that. Like I didn't, doesn't, it didn't even matter for like the show. Like, you know, like, cause I know Gary tries to like beat every boss by himself to, to kind of have those talking points on the show. And I didn't even have that. Like I was just like stubborn. Like I'm going to do it. Like autumn would walk in. My wife would walk in and be like, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. Don't talk. I, I'm, I'm, I'm six minutes in. I can't stop. <laughs> so this feels so dumb. In, not, in Bloodborne, I had to summon, but in every Dark Souls game, I did it completely solo. And you know what the one boss that finally made me say I have to summon for this? I'm making no progress. Which one? Soul of Cinder. I can see that. That's a, that's a everyone's really tough tell, boss. Everyone tells me it's like not, not that hard, but I I could not beat. Like I got his, his first health bar is nothing. It's just a fight. But his second health bar... Like, he is just so, like, brutally aggressive in a way that I never found, uh, I never found a way around how to, I just couldn't, like, not take damage from him, you know? Yeah, the, um, it's, it, don't even get me started about two health bars, by the way. That's something that Dark Souls 3 does <laughs> a lot that I've really, really what if it, would it feel, would it make you feel better if the first health bar was, like, colored in yellow, so as it chipped away, you saw the red underneath? I, I mean, maybe, yeah. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like in that, Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, well, I, I was think, I was trying to remember what game I'd play that does it. I was, I was think there's some fighting game that does that, I think, where you have to basically fight through two health bars. Um, yeah. Like, maybe, uh, but it's just the, it's just the thinking, it's that trick is what I really don't like. And th- maybe that would have solved it, but, like, getting to the end of that first health bar and being like, whew, okay, all right. It's especially weird 
in a game that has like part of its mechanical identity is that every boss has multiple phases. Why go through the trouble of tricking me into thinking I'm done? Exactly. What 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 what's the point to it? And like what does it signify? Like how does it tie into these into the game thematically? And I I don't know, man. Like it, I'm 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 pretty salty about the Soul of Cinder. Like anybody will tell you. Like I'm not a <laughs> boss fight. Like I I feel like the it, there's something interesting there with it incorporating basically PvP PvP builds from Dark Souls One. Like that's kind of a uh-huh. fascinating thing. Like oh, every you're literally fighting everybody that came before and let the flame. Like Solaire is actually the last I boss. Think, Yay! But I think the first phase of Soul of Cinder is super neat. Like super, like I thought when I thought that was the entirety of the boss fight, like, oh, he's just going to use different fighting styles every 30 seconds. I was so into that. But that man, man, that second phase, second phase destroys me. It's and, um, and also I'm not going to like boss shame you on this stuff because I have like weird problems with weird bosses too, right? Like there's just some bosses that happens. I I can't read. And like people talk about Fume Knight being the hardest boss ever. And for whatever reason, like I just have a, like a, like I've just been precinct with the fume night brain or something. Because yeah. I'm, I'm just like, I see it. I'm like, okay, da, 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 dodge, dodge. And I, I can just nail it almost every time. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a well-designed fight. Um, wait, wait, remind me, fume night's the one the, uh, that you have to, you have to kill those things outside the room and then go in. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The okay. DL, it was the second DLC, which is iron. What's the, yeah. yeah. What's the, uh, other, night in that dlc though the one that you have to like go into the memory oh uh sir alone sir alone there we go okay just making sure that i have those identities separated um yeah few nights readable i summoned for him but mostly because at that point i was just playing dark souls 2 to fuck around and not really uh i've uh, i like dark souls dlc but uh, I, I think almost all of them are too hard for me like I can't even. I've never beaten Manus legit. I've never. Uh, I think I had to summon for all three of the Dark Souls two DLCs, and uh, Dark Souls three sounded like a hellish nightmare, so I never touched it. <laughs> I uh, uh, yeah. I don't. Again, it just it's it's one of those things where I wish that they. I, I've never once wished this in a Dark Souls game, but I wish they just gave me an easy mode, and and they do. Like, <laughs> summoning is is the easy mode, but like give yeah. me that same boss with. 60% HP and I think it would have been perfect and then give it, give players an item or like give them a bonfire aesthetic from Dark Souls 2 to make it as difficult as they possibly can right like scale up the HP as high as they want to so that the Loboses and the peeves of the world can go have fun with it <laughs> just, like man it's, it's just such a grind um, the dragon in the third DLC or the second Dark Souls 3 DLC like I hit him in the head and it like like you could, I mean, like you, infinitesimal sliver of health fell off, and I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna be doing this for like 20 minutes. No, no, thank you. I, no. I just, I just stopped. Like I'm just not going to do that. Ancient dragon. You said ancient dragon, right? Um, it's or which one? It's the one in Dark Souls Three DLC. Um, oh, oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely not Midori. <laughs> that's Dragons. Not well, that's something that we all hoped they would get better at, and it just it happened. The The dragon fight in the first uh, Dark Souls 2 DLC is pretty good, but I think that's the only one that kind of works. Yeah, I, I like that one. Um, or I guess the puzzle dragon boss in Dark Souls 3 is neat. Oh, I was... That's I was, a puzzle boss. I was close. It was Madir, is that dude's name. Okay. Uh, um, 
people apparently get mad when I uh, don't remember the names of stuff from Dark Souls. <laughs> so I, I mean, you are you are a professional Dark Souls man. I can see I am, why yeah, yeah, I they am, would hold you to a higher standard. Jeremy Dark Souls Greer. I just changed my middle name. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like the, I like the puzzle boss a lot. I like. I think that's that's a really fun fight to like run through all of that stuff. Uh, but man, like. And and you get to kill it in one hit, right? Like if you do it right, it's fun, and you get this dramatic oh, thing at the yeah. end. Versus like, you know, trying to lock on to something just to have it break your lock on, and then the camera goes spinning wildly, and you have no idea where anything is. Which I feel like ninety oh, yeah. percent of dragon fights end up like. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and I get it. Like you know, the, the thing about dragons, like if you read any fiction with dragons in it, they always will tell you. You know, dragons don't exist to be slayed. They exist to kill you. And obviously that concept kind of doesn't translate super well into a game because all that ends up meaning is, how about a really frustrating fight? Mm-hmm. Anyway. Has there ever been a really good dragon fight in a video game? People tell me in uh, Dragon's Dogma that there's some good stuff in there, but uh, I, uh, I haven't played that one. I don't get Dragon's Dogma. I mean, maybe there's a super cool game in there. Mm-hmm. I've played like 10 minutes and it felt so strange. Like it, like everything felt like it was made out of cardboard. You know, it had that kind of lightness where everything sort of flung. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I, I trust that it's a good game. I just don't know how far you have to engage with it to get to it. But good dragon fights in a game. Um, I mean, the one that comes to mind are the... I mean, it's an RPG. It's a JRPG, but the, the, the hooktail fights in Paper Mario are fun. Oh, yeah. I could get behind that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I, I'm sure I could think of other examples, but for the most part, they're they're pretty universally mediocre. Weird. You, you would think that video games had worked that out by now, right? Yeah. Like- <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's like it's like one of the... Uh, it's the one of the fan of, like, geek dumb hallmarks you know you want some you want to feel like you're holding the lightsaber you want to feel like you can kill a dragon yeah kill the dragon save the princess like that's yeah, pretty exactly. much the standard of like most books it feels like most fantasy books now <laughs> well tell uh, me um we've kind of bounced all all over the place but i'm kind of curious like after you've well first before we get into final thoughts or anything did you ever play demon souls yeah, I went back. Uh, I didn't get a real chance until they released it digitally on the uh, on the PS3, which happened like two years before Dark Souls 2 came out, I want to say, something like that. It was around 2012. Um, and I uh, I definitely bought it the day it came out because that was during that period where I was like anxious. I don't even think From had even announced Dark Souls 2 yet. Uh, no, they didn't because I didn't work at Red Robin yet, which is when that happened. <laughs> so anyway so i was it was in that goal for like you know that i just had that real deep dark souls thirst that no other game could satisfy and i played other games but that was definitely the period where i put games down more because they weren't the thing i wanted than any other period in my life gotcha, gotcha. just pick it up like not dark souls put it down um <laughs> Soulsitis. So, uh, yeah, as soon as Demon Souls was made available for digital download, I bought it. Uh, servers went back up. Had a good old time. Uh, it definitely, like, I, I really liked a lot of the things inside Demon Souls, but it is definitely um, <laughs> one of the roughest games I've played from start to finish. And I've actually found, I found out I had a limit, Jeremy. I thought I didn't have a limit. Kingsfield 4? Too that's, rough for me. That's the limit. Can't yeah. do it. 
<laughs> yeah, that's how um, Gary and Cole got through Shadow Tower. I'll never know because they have a show and they get paid for it. That's why, but that certainly uh, helps. And uh, I think they have. I know. I know for a fact Gary has a higher capacity for uh, bullshit and video games than I do. Um, as far as like I'm, dealing with like uncomfortable yeah. mechanics or whatever. Yeah, I'm usually okay with jank, but like I guess I just. Maybe it's just the point in my life where I'm at right now, but it just, I don't feel like it's worth my time. And I have, so my time gets less and less every day as I get older. You know, the standard, what am I doing kind of questions. Exactly. Yeah. Why am I grinding out these uh, silver knights just to get a trophy so I can platinum? Oh, dude. Yeah. Dude, um, I was finishing Dragon Quest V and I was just like, there are seven other Dragon Quest games after this. <laughs> Do I really. <laughs> Do I really feel the need, especially because everyone was saying six is like super mediocre. And uh, the the only people that I, that really, I heard defend six, their answer was basically, but it's another dragon quest. And <laughs> they just don't have that interesting of mechanics to dragon quest. Isn't built. What, when you think of dragon quest, Jeremy, what do you think of um, I've, besides I've got- the adorable slimes? Two two things, uh, uh, Nintendo Power because mm-hmm. I subscribed to Nintendo Power and they sent me a copy of Dragon Warrior One, and I was like, "Oh, you're one of those." Yeah, yeah, and I was super <laughs> young. And they sent out this like huge poster of the map of the world. I was fascinated with this map, and like the game was basically impla- unplayable for me. Like I, I tried so hard, and I think I got fairly far into that game. Like I remember getting like crazy armor at some point, so I probably put like a bunch of kid hours into it. Which it, yeah, you know, if you follow the exchange rate, was probably like way too many hours. But <laughs> um, and then uh, Dragon Quest Eight hit me at a time. Uh, that was a PS2 game, right? With like the real colorful, yes. cell shaded sprites. Uh, I sprites. will say that I still have plans to play Dragon Quest Eight, but I'm pretty sure once I do that one, that's it. I'm never playing another. Yeah, I, I can definitely see. It. I put hundreds of hours into that game, and uh, it was one of those things of like, just chill out and you know, veg out on the couch using yeah. various substances or what have you, and just like... Yeah, it's, it's a chill out game. That's yeah. what it's designed for. And just like, you know, that's it. Just kind of let, taking like it's one of the. It's, I've heard a lot of people talk about uh, JRPGs as almost kind of like medicine, basically, yeah. of a way to escape all of your life. And that was it. Hit me at a point in my life that I didn't necessarily need that, but I was definitely looking for something to kind of just whisk me away. So yeah, up to yeah. like hundreds of hours doing that. What about you? Like, yeah, what, what, what is that like? How does that translate back to you? Um. <laughs> well, it's basically just uh, the medicine thing. The, the, it's a it's a low impact game. I couldn't imagine. I I just can't do low impact anymore. I guess like if I'm gonna be if I'm gonna be doing a game, it's worth my time to be engaged with it to kind of be locked into it rather than something that I'm just sort of playing passively. Like I just don't get to play that many games anymore, or at least not. I mean, I say that, but then you uh, if you watch me on Slack, you'll just see me going through like, like four games a week. That's not actually as true anymore, but I, I, people have this weird perception of me that I just sort of beat everything all the time. And I'm starting to, I'm starting to like turn things down is basically what I'm saying. I mm-hmm. can no longer say yes to everything. Yeah. It's one of those things where I say that like, I don't have enough time to do something, do things, but then I, I like, I look at Netflix and all of a sudden I'm on season two of I zombie and I'm like, well, this is, 
hours I probably could have spent <laughs> doing something more productive, but somehow I've managed to fit it into my busy, busy schedule. <laughs> you definitely, there's no way to get around the fact that sometimes you're just going to waste time no matter what you do. Cause I definitely catch myself. Like I just watched four seasons of total drama Island. What's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Like how do you, you just get stuck on something, especially if it's like lo- no friction, easy to watch. I don't have to think about it. Like if I could turn my brain off for a little while, like that's an exciting yeah. thing. So, but it's like, it's, it's easier for me to have, frictionless tv on because i can be working on something more important and then keep it in my peripheral but like with a game even if it's passive you're actively pushing buttons so it's like it's weirdly actively passive oh absolutely kind of just eats up two channels of your brain rather than just the one like i can i can uh stardew valley is a good example of this like i can do I can edit podcasts and listen to Stardew Valley for like 12 hours a day. If you ask me to like, it's, it's pretty mm-hmm. easy. Like, and it's because both parts of my brain are engaged. Like the part where I'm listening and like, Hey, I've got to drop the volume. I got to do this and this and this. And then also my so hands are, you said, like you said, hard. listen to Stardew Valley, but what I assume you mean is you're listening to your podcast that you're editing and then like, exactly. Yeah. I can edit podcast while playing Stardew Valley is what I meant to say. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, um, Man, I just want to say, since we didn't really get to talk about Dark Souls Two, mm-hmm. Dark Souls Two is a great fucking game. You're you're a, you're a Dark Souls Two fan. Yes, absolutely. Like I don't I don't think it's the best in the series, and it definitely like uh, one is, Dark Souls One is the best. It just is, and like I I understand people who want to argue differently, but Dark Souls One is the best game in the series. Uh, Dark Souls 2 does a lot of cool stuff. And like, I mean, I'm talking to my friend about it, and like he hasn't played any of them. And I just, every once in a while, we're talking about a thing, and he's like, oh, I wish this did this and this. And I was like, weirdly enough, Dark Souls 2 does a similar system. And like that keeps happening. Like, the, Majula is a crowning achievement of the series. Like, if Dark Souls 1 had Majula, that would be the greatest thing. So... Majula versus Firelink. Like, what what do you see as the differences between those two? Because mostly how it builds up. Okay. Like, Firelink is cool. Like, people go there, things change, but it doesn't really feel quite like. Um, it feels more like a camp than a home base. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you're just a passerby. Like, you know, it's safe here. But Majula feels like I've claimed this land in the name of my king, and I am going to send his subjects here. Gotcha. Okay, so you, you like the... Um, I'm trying to remember what the achievement name for that was. There was something like everybody's all in it together or bringing everybody together. Like You like that aspect of like meeting people in the world and like directing them to this place of safety mm-hmm. and having them kind of build out this place of safety further for you. Like It's a, it's a real minor version of like the same sort of thing you'd get from a Suica Den where you're building the base. And it's not like, it's not like that's, that takes a ton of your time or anything, but it's cool to go back home and like, oh, things have changed, things have grown, that guy's over there now. Um, I do like that aspect a lot. And I'm not saying like I think Firelink's weak or nothing. Mm-hmm. Like Firelink works insanely well for Dark Souls 1. I'm not saying, I guess I shouldn't say that I wish Majula was in Dark Souls 1. But I do think Majula is one of the coolest things in just in the series in general. Yeah, the like one of the appealing things about dark souls two are is the, the way that the narrative with all of these NPCs unfolds is very self-contained. Like people call it like the yeah. short story game for that reason. And then, but having all of these people in the same spot and living their different lives and barely even acknowledging that another one exists. Like there's hardly any kind of back and forth. Like you get the thing with the, um, 
Leningrad or Leningaf, whatever the uh, the blacksmith is like looking for his daughter. And I'm like, yo, she's right there. Like Cloanne is sitting outside your door. But like none of that. Yeah, that is weird. None of that interaction happens. It kind of makes it more lonely in a, in a sense for me. Like it's, mm. it's like all of these characters are all of these NPCs are there, and they all have these things that they're holding onto, but they they can't recognize the stuff that's right in front of them. Like I think it plays yeah. into that sense of. Um, has anyone? Has it, yeah, has anyone actually postulated that he just doesn't like? He literally doesn't remember what she looks like, and she doesn't remember what he looks like. Uh, I don't. I mean, I guess like I, it's, it's easy to hand wave that explanation. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if like that's a is that a community theory anywhere? I'm sure because uh, that's kind of always been the, my head canon for it. Like it's it's something easy to to call out. Like it's a, it's a, it's a very obvious quote unquote plot hole. Mm. But to me, it's just, it's just literally like everybody in that game is forgetting everything about themselves. Like that's what they yeah. do at the very beginning. So to me, it actually does make <laughs> it makes a sense, right? That they that this dude like is still holding on to this story, but doesn't recognize that the people in it are sitting right next to him. And I think that's basically that mm. whole game. Yeah, my favorite uh, version of that trope that plays out in the game is the merchant, then Yellow, who lives in that house, and how he starts out very humble, and the more money, more souls you give him, the more he starts acting like a rich idiot and uh, like treating you poorly, and just being like, "You, you are just no longer the man I knew when I first met you." Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. Yeah, that that one's really really funny. I also like the fact that he just uh, man spreads. Is, is, uh-huh. like that, that, like I'm just going to stretch my legs out on the couch and take up two whole spots. Kind of attitude is really, really hilarious in a Dark Souls NPC to me. Um, um, well, tell me, tell so me like, where where yeah. are you at as a whole on the series? Like where after all of this stuff, like we mentioned at the very beginning, like you would buy the Dark Souls four, but um, absolutely. Where specifically would you like to see them go? Like, do you do you have something in mind for that Dark Souls four, that Bloodborne two, that Armored Core, whatever? Like, is there something in there that you you would want to see from them, or are you just more of a, a guy that's like, mm-hmm. whatever they do, I'll, I'll, I'm in. Yeah, I'm I'm more just like looking to see what they have to offer because I know I know they wouldn't make a Dark Souls four at this point without feeling like somebody really had an idea for one. Like they've more or less said that. So if they if they feel confident enough to release a Dark Souls four, I want to be there for a Dark Souls four. Bloodborne two, boy, um, man, if uh, they announce that and the first thing I notice is that blood vials aren't just like an instant refill, then I don't think I want to do it. Really? So that's <laughs> that, no, I probably would. Uh, I feel. <laughs> you know, it's like they got me on the hook. Uh, like they're going to announce new games, sure. and I'm not going to do. I'm not going to ever get into Armored Core. Like, I'm sure those games are fine, but I don't care. Um, but whatever their next thing, I'm going to keep my eyes on it. I'm not necessarily sold immediately, mm-hmm. but I definitely, I'm curious to see what they think is a good idea to follow up Dark Souls with. Like, where do you go as a company after making Dark Souls? Yeah, like, what? what are you going to do? And to me, like I, I hear a lot of people say like, go back to Kingsfield, like go back to that. Um, that's what Dark person. Souls is. Yeah. And it's, it's oh, exactly that's, that. I don't know. That's silly. I, I want them to see, I just want to see something totally new. Like I just like, I trust those dudes so much now, even with Dark Souls three, not being like a mm. great achievement of the series. It's still a pretty fucking big achievement. And 
it, it astounds me to realize like Demon Souls released in 2009. It's 2017. Six years have passed and they've released five games, four of them yeah. with massive DLC expansions. Like it's that's just a ridiculous amount of uh, to use like a weird word for it, content. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so weird. It's so weird, and it is like maybe hand, like single handedly the most influential game in the last ten years. Like there have been so many games, like even. I don't know. It was Lords of the Fallen AAA? I'm going to call it a AAA. Like even AAA it imitators was to this kind oh. of thing. <laughs> Ooh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but it's a you know there have been big budget imitators. There have been small budget imitators. There have been like Witcher Two was very specifically cited Demon Souls as an influence for how they wanted their combat to work. It it's a series that has kind of had substantial effects on the gaming industry. And I find that super interesting. Yeah. It's, it's definitely like with it, the invention of a uh, souls like, and um, I can't remember the guy's name who guessed it on the demon souls episode of a uh, Brian fireside chat recently, but he was talking about like, people don't use the words, uh, you know, action RPG anymore. It's always souls. Like people don't use the word Metroidvania very much anymore. It's just a, it's a 2d souls. Like, <laughs> Oh dude, it's driving me nuts. There's a, there's a really good, I want to say it was a super bunny hop video called, do we need a souls like genre? It's a very mm-hmm. good video. It's like 12 minutes. Everyone should watch it, but it's driving me nuts. I don't, <laughs> what is the point of comparing everything to Dark Souls? And I've talked about this uh, in a few places, but uh, I think the reason people are so quick to compare things to Dark Souls is less that uh, Dark Souls is really in everything and more that Dark Souls is just sort of um, a, a monument to how you make a good game in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like it follows a very game design 101 textbook kind of thing for the first, like until you beat Ornstein and Smo pretty much. And then afterwards it does its own, like here's the victory lap thing, you know, but um, yeah, it's, it's so easy to see like, cause like, so like one of the things I'm talking about is like in dark souls and like pretty much the first like few levels, it follows this pattern of, uh, introduce the threat in a safe environment, you know, safe for Dark Souls. Introduce it in a safe environment, complicate the threat, complicate it, complicate it, complicate it, until you're, the threat that you're facing at the end is so much more complex than the threat you were facing at the beginning of the area. And the thing you saw at the beginning now is just nothing, and maybe you kicked your ass the first time you saw it, but you've learned. That's the same kind of thing that Mario, that like Super Mario 1 does, you know? Yeah, it's that it's that kind of that evolution of a tactic, right? Like everything starts out pretty simple, and then it loops back around where you can just kick everything's ass at the very beginning because you're so you're so used to fighting everything that's been way more complicated. <laughs> well, Brian, um, exactly. We have a couple of minutes left, so explain to me the entire Persona series in three minutes or less. Um, so there's some demons. You're probably a Japanese teenager. You summon them, or maybe they summon you. I mean, it depends on the game. Uh, what these demons are, how they work, varies from game to game. Um, Persona 5 just came out uh, about, I say just, but about five months ago now. Um, that was pretty good. looked real nice. And uh, there's a giant dick monster, so everyone oh. Google Mara for that. Excellent. Everybody <laughs> definitely Google Mara for that, because I, I will be, and if I have to see it, so do you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't say the phrase dick chariot enough to get you to google mara fast enough Um, wow so that is a dick chariot like that is a dick chariot that is an almost every game of the series my friend and i'm looking at a the screenshot i don't know 
this I guess this could be photoshopped, but the screenshot has some dialogue underneath Mara, and the first sentence is, "You have the strength to penetrate this accursed darkness." Like, really? No, nope, no, nope, that's in the game. That is in the game. <laughs> really, you just went no, for Persona. It, huh? <laughs> just Persona Five. It goes. Uh, or I think that's a. I think that's a Persona Five screenshot if it's in three D. Is it? It is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Persona Five did the HD monsters, uh, and they look fucking great. Um, but, uh, yeah, they go, uh, they go all in on the sexual puns when it comes to the dick demons, like all the like reproduction gods from all the pantheons are either, uh, phallic or yonic in some way. So mm-hmm. that's fun. Um, so Jeremy's asking about this because I am the founder of the mega 10 marathon podcast along with Evan and Paul. Correct. Um, I say founder cause technically I am on a sabbatical from the podcast, uh, I will be returning theoretically at some point, but I'm going through personal life shit. So, hey, dude, I understand that that happens. What yeah. is so? It's a lot easier for me to come onto a podcast and, and bullshit about Dark Souls for an hour and a half than it is to play <laughs> another Persona game right now. There's um, it's it's weird because podcasting looks really really easy, but to do it on a regular basis is really really difficult. Like I think that's the, I... the thing that people don't don't really expect. Yeah, and it's like compare watching four X episodes of an X Men animated series to oh, I have to play fucking fifteen hours of this Persona game before our next recording session. Oh yeah, anybody that tells me um, somebody, and I, I don't want to say who, and just in case they um, they they decide to do this or not to do this or whatever, was like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing a JRPG podcast, and I'm like, dude, like. It, no <laughs> like why would you do that it's like 50 hours plus per episode of your podcast like that's gonna be like, an insane thing to do you know and the way i think you can make that work is call it call it level 99 and every time you start a jrpg just put in the game shark code to get to level 99 immediately and just talk about how the asinine plot that's all you need to do at that no point, one cares about the mechanics. At that point, it's just an anime podcast, then, right? Like you might as well just like watch the the, the, yeah. stuff, the watch stuff on YouTube. <laughs> just watch the cutscenes. Fair enough, I guess. Um, I don't know. I heard uh, we, I was talking about the uh, Mega Ten Marathon back when we were first starting to get it going, and somebody like told me they would love a podcast that just explained like what's the weird shit that happens at the end of that JRPG you never finished because it was too bad. Oh, like you a 10-minute summary of, of a JRPG? like the <laughs> Try to condense this down to reasonable bite-sized chunks. That would be pretty good. So I've listened to a little bit of Mega 10 Marathon. Uh, I'm not, as most people know, I'm not a huge JRPG fan. Uh, I, I don't like disown the, the genre or anything. I don't disavow that it exists, but I'm, I'm just a lot of those games just don't appeal to me. Uh, I listened to the first couple that were mostly focused on the books, which I had no idea existed, and those sound absolutely ridiculous and i'm so happy that i didn't read them and that you three had to to just talk about them wow you're very welcome (laughs) Um, oh yeah i kind of forgot that i read those (laughs) until you brought it up brian where else where else can people find you on the internet yeah um i uh don't have a strong presence if you guys want to pay five bucks to another podcast network uh (laughs) to deduct the slack uh you can see me ranting and raving on their slack all day every day um that's, that's accurate i can i can i can confirm yes <laughs> um but you should give a patreon because that supports our buddy jeremy here for hosting days of future cast that's, that's another plug for you jeremy mm-hmm. he's paying you. me under the table for this I, yes, um, i'm sliding i'm sliding five dollar <laughs> bills underneath this internet table too as we speak <laughs> so uh, i'm 
I'm trying to get my comic book career up and going again. Uh, I've been making short comics for the last few years, and I'm trying to get a longer project together. So let's see how that goes. You can see the stuff I've already made at uh, the letter B is in boy, the letter D is in dog, M A Y dot tumblr dot com, and I got uh, the entirety of my uh, mini comic collection up there, which is about four comics, but you know, love went into every single one. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Brian. This was uh, this was really, really awesome. It's very rare that I get to podcast with people that I've met in person. You and I have actually <laughs> met in person in the hottest part of the year last year in Austin, oh, yeah. Austin Texas. Hottest part of the year, hottest place in the fucking world. That's yeah, not true. Yeah, like Austin, uh. Austin, get some shade. Plant a goddamn tree. What are you doing? <laughs> you bunch of hippies. But Jeremy, wait. <laughs> you've reminded me. I just want the world to know about this. I'm not sure if you've ever... Did you share the story of the fucking drone? I did not know. <laughs> okay, so when we, me and Jeremy, we met because uh, a duck feed meetup. Gary and Cole were in town, um, and uh, we uh, all, as a group, there were a lot. There was a few other people there, and uh, we all met at the at a bar uh, on Sixth Ave, Sixth Street in Austin. And um, we there was a bar that had a roof uh, patio that you could just sit out and drink, and uh, we were just you know drinking, talking, having fun, and out of nowhere. This drone comes, like, just flies in, like, does a survey of the rooftop patio, just, like, does a, like, a, like a quick scan, and then just stares for a second, just shoots off. We never get any kind of explanation. It was the scariest, most Blade Runner-y thing that's ever happened in my life. It was like, it was like somebody was checking out the menu, right? Like, it was like, it, was, it, was, it, it felt like that. Like, someone had flown this drone in to be like, what's the scene at, at... I don't even remember the name of the bar. Fat Pats or something. Like, what's the scene yeah, on, fat, on the Fat Pats? Oh, it's Handlebars. Tonight? Handlebars. There you go. Like, what's going on in the Handlebar rooftop tonight? I'm too lazy to get up and go, so I'm going to send my <laughs> drone out there. <laughs> yeah. What other possible explanation is there? It's like, well, I got to see if Jerry's at the bar yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm too, I'm too lazy to text Jerry to find out if he's at the bar. <laughs> so I'm going to send my drone out to record a bunch of people drinking and sweating on the top of this rooftop. If Paul tells a similar, I don't. I think Paul was there. If Paul tells us a similar story to that, you, you can blame me. It's all I'm, right. it's I'm all trying to. I was trying to remember uh, who I was there because I don't think Bash. I don't think Trey was there. Was Trey there? Sean. Sean was there. Sean was there. Sean and his girl were there. I'll, I'll get Sean on the show eventually. We, yeah, we, we have Don and Rochelle. And, uh, um, and, and uh, uh, Gary and Cole. Uh, yeah, it's it's, you, it's really hard for me to remember who was at that one, mm-hmm. who wasn't at the one the next night. I think Carlo might have been there, but he might have just been at the the one at the the, the arcade bar. I know I, I stayed either um, drunk or hot that entire weekend, so I don't have great <laughs> of it. The, the two emotions of Texas. The two emotions of Texas. Well, thank you again for for guesting on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh man, my pleasure. It was so much fun. It's um it's been a month or two since I've recorded this podcast and I'm really really rusty at my outro so we're going to we're going to just really just kind of lean in. I don't remember what I used to say on this at all. So I'm just going to kind of wing it. <laughs> I definitely Outro goes here. Um I definitely should re- should have like done a sketch about this like not sketch but should have written something down beforehand. Um <laughs> You've been listening to Don't Give Up Skeleton. I've been your host, Jeremy Greer. You can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find the podcast at don'tgiveupskeleton.com. That has links to all of the previous episodes. It has links to 
all of the social medias. Uh, you might want to pay attention to the Instagram page, which is Don't Give Up Skellies. I post short clips as videos up on Instagram, so you can kind of get an idea of what the podcast is like before jumping in for a full hour. So thank you for all of that. Thank you for the, all of the new iTunes reviews. I really appreciate that. There's been kind of a trickle of those coming in every week, which is really, really nice. Thank you very much. But most importantly, thank you for listening. That's the best way to support the show. Um, as always, we'll be back next week with more episodes. And until then, don't give up, Skeleton. And we're good. Cool. Um, I'm going to go to the bathroom and stuff, and then I'll send the audio file your way. Yeah, take your time. I don't know. I haven't edited the other two yet, so it'll be sometime in the next couple of weeks when I get to oh, all edited cool. together. Do so. you, you have a means that you prefer? Uh, you can like email, email.